Is Travis Kelsey going to be a bust going forward? How do you handle the Eagles in early 2024 FFPC drafts? And is one AFC North running back getting set for a huge bounce back campaign next season? Plus, the 2023 FFPC main event million dollar grand prize winner, Teague Orgerman, is going to drop by to talk about how he built his seven-figure juggernaut, how he spent week 17 watching the games, how he's going to spend all that cash, and much more. We've got a great show for you tonight. Dave Terpoli is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics. Welcome into the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MYFFPC.com, MyFFPC.com, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is normally the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. He is preoccupied on assignment tonight, so I bring in my good friend, and longtime FFPC champion, Mr. Dave Terpoli at Dave Terp on the X. Dave, happy new year, man. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. What's going on? It's good to be back. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. And, and this is good practice for you warming up for all those draft coverage shows we'll be doing coming up in the in the early and middle and quite frankly, late part all summer long. This will one hundred percent. It's good to talk to you. How did your season end up in twenty twenty three? The season, it was a profitable one, a very small profit, but a profitable one. We had a lot of good bullets that were right there. We had the number one overall team in the best ball tournament, you know, in the regular season, just flamed out week one, just got outran by Christian McCaffrey, you know, and a couple other guys. It was a tough finish, a couple main event teams that were right there, but just just didn't, didn't put down the right combinations when it mattered at the end. So profitable, but could have been a lot better. I think that's what's always so maddening. Like I, it was shaping up to be a really good season for me as well. And like you said, it was profitable, but it could have been a lot better. I had so many teams that just didn't perform the way that they were performing during the regular season. And that's fantasy. That's what happens. You know, like you can't control everything. I'd much rather you look at get some of your there. teams and you're just like, I wish the, the, the sprint started now. Like that team that was number right. one was number one, pretty much all season. And like, as we got closer, like tank Dell got injured to CJ Stroud, Dalton Schultz, like all the guys that were like getting you there, you know, it started just Travis Etienne came, came back to earth a little bit. So it, it was definitely a bummer, you know, especially, you know, going into that with so much promise and then just kind of flaming out at the end. Um, and, and the great thing about it is we're going to have the never too early FFPC best ball tournament launching here probably in the next two weeks uh, or never maybe in the next week. It never stops. Like, so if it was, if, if 2023 let you down, 2024 is almost here. Uh, we got the FFPC playoff challenge, everything going on right now. And speaking of that playoff challenge, 
Here's what I want to tell you at the top of the show about several challenges going on with the FFPC. Go to myffpc.com right now to play in the weekly challenge. No draft or salary cap. Get in by Saturday's kickoff. Remember, we got a kickoff tomorrow. And then Sunday's kickoff, two separate challenges, the Saturday or the Sunday. You can get in for $35 or $200. There's no draft, no salary cap. You're just picking your players and watching those points pile up. It is the exact same format as the FFPC playoff challenges, which are also open for business. No draft or salary cap in there. You're picking the 12 players uh, that you want on your team, 12 players from 12 of the 14 teams that will make the postseason, one player per team, and you can win up to $500,000 with the $200 entry fee. And, of course, if you want to play for $35, you're still eligible for a $100,000 entry fee as well. Win those uh, this season by going to myffpc.com and registering today. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on it, share it with your friends and enemies, and get notified every time we go live. Coming up on tonight's show, Dave and I are going to list the reasons of how or why you need to handle Keenan Allen a certain way in drafts coming up, uh, what to do with Kyron Williams this coming season, and much more. Plus, as I said at the top, the 2023 FFPC main event million-dollar grand prize winner Teague Orgeman is going to go hard on how the sleepers he drafted hit uh, the problem with having three stud tight ends, I guess it wasn't a problem for him because he turned it Not into a million all. bucks and uh, much more. If you want to connect with us on X at HSFF hours, we're to do so. I'm, I'm at Eric Balkman. Dave is at Dave Terp. Uh, Facebook.com slash HSFF hours. We're to contact us there. High stakes fantasy football at gmail.com. If you have any emails for us, we'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob. Okay, let's lead it off. Terp, um, you did the HSFF show with me on the Better Sports Network um, a month or so ago. Uh, I'm going to lead it off with John Terry right now talking uh, in, in on YouTube. Are we going to be talking about Tony Pollard tonight? Because no. this is th- this the is name John- will not be mentioned tonight. Okay. It's very painful. <laughs> um, yeah, there's going to be no Tony Pollard talk. I mean, it's just been a disastrous year. For Tony Pollard owners, including my, you know, myself being leading the charge, I did say he could possibly be the running back one this year. Everything was there. It just, it just hasn't worked out. I don't know what happened. I mean, he just doesn't look like the guy that we saw last year. Coaching staff seems like they're just more throw dominant with CD Lamb. Obviously, Ferguson, you know, Cooks and you know, Dak having a, a great season. Dallas buzzing on offense, and it really has nothing to do with Tony Pollard not catching passes, useless in the passing game. They're not giving goal line carries. Like it is just a complete disaster. And it was just an absolute miss by me and a ton of other people. Not many people were not on Tony Pollard this year. Well, and, and let, let's pose the question for 2024. Pollard said a couple of weeks ago that he didn't realize how serious his injury was till recently, till towards the end of the season where he's just now starting to feel like, He's all the way back. Does that Doesn't look him? like it? Well, here's the thing, Turp. Like, you know, he is not going to be going at that one, two turn next year. He's no, going to He's fall. not going to be anywhere close to that. Right. So doesn't that make him a potential buy in redraft leagues? Next it year? definitely has potential at value, but we also don't know will he be back in Dallas. And if he doesn't oh, go yeah. back in Dallas, he can go into running back purgatory and go literally anywhere. And that could mess up everything. I don't think Dallas is going to pay him any sort of money after what they saw. He might come back there on a cheaper deal and with a you know competition type of set, set, you know situation with another rookie or you know you know veteran type of guy, especially if Dallas does well in the playoffs. But I don't. Right now, I'm off him. I mean, I, I just I saw. I know the injury was definitely something that you know 
took its toll on him this year. But just the lack of just any sort of passing game role, which everybody thought was going to be, you know, Christian McCaffrey like, and it has not been Derrick Henry like. No, no, and 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 I think I mean we'll see what happens. Obviously, once um, ADP starts setting itself here in the next couple of weeks, to find out where Pollard's going to go. But if you're drafting in January, you are going to be drafting a little bit blind because he could be a Cowboy next year, as Turp points out, or he might not be a Cowboy in 2024. Let's talk about another running back that just had an absolute banana, crazy town banana pants finish to the 2023 season, and that was Brees Hall. Week 17 alone, 13 carries for 84 yards, nine catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. In the two starts that Trevor Simeon made down the stretch, Brees Hall had 21 catches. Against the Browns, Brees Hall had 13 of the Jets' 15 running back carries, and in the first half alone had a couple of really good tackle-breaking runs. Question here, Terp, for you is this. This is now going to be coming into 2024. He is going to be one year recovered from that torn ACL. Fully uh, a full year recovered from that ACL. You had a situation um, down the stretch where he not only was the alpha, but he's collecting, you know, um, uh, receptions like everything. Uh, like he was catching everything, right? And and so now I, I understand that it's Aaron Rodgers next year and not Trevor Simeon. Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to pound the ball downfield a lot more consistently than Simeon. Uh, ever did. That said, while he might not get the checkdowns that he did with Simeon, the offense should be by and large better. Terp, we talk a lot about how if Hall doesn't tear his ACL, he could have been the 101 pick in fantasy drafts in 2023. Now, coming into 2024, everything's pointing in the right direction for him. Slam dunk first round pick, but where does he go in the first round? He easily is going to get consideration for a top five pick. I mean, to me, he's right behind Christian McCaffrey. There's really no questions about it. I mean, there, there's just so much uncertainty at the running back position, as you saw with guys like Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, kind of flame out, Tony Pollard, we mentioned, you know, guys that were getting taken, you know, end of the first, early second in most drafts that kind of just didn't get the job done. So you look at a guy like Brees Hall, who was a league winner, all these million-dollar winners and, and big winners in all these contests, most of them had Brees Hall. Um, he checked downs. He just looked great at the end of the season, Trevor Simeon or not, Aaron Rodgers or not. I mean, he's a slam dunk top five, seven pick next year for me to me. And I'll take him in the top seven, you know, almost every draft I get an opportunity. You think he'll be the second running back off the board? Yes. Okay. Uh, Especially with Aaron Rodgers. I think people are going to like, oh, he's not Trevor Simeon. Like you said, he's not going to dump it down all the time. But that means he can get the ball down the field. And that's just going to give more room. That's going to open up Garrett Wilson. That's going to open up maybe Devontae Adams, you know, guys like that. My guess is the Jets – they see what they have on offense this year. And if, if they have the opportunity to get a guy like Adams and add another receiver on the outside, that's only going to help Brees Hall. Yeah. And if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, I mean, the Jets, as good as that defense is, as good as Brees Hall is, as good as Garrett Wilson is, if the offensive line continues to improve, if they add depth there and get Aaron Rodgers back 100%, the Jets can be easily be, if you look at what the AFC is right now, they can be a favorite going into the next season. I think uh, a rising tide raises all boats. I think that's how the saying goes. And certainly that rising tide of Aaron Rodgers um, could uh, could be that thing that raises not only Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and everybody on that offense going forward. An offense that 
might be going in the opposite direction, but certainly not trending upward at this point in the season, is the Kansas City Chiefs. In the last game for the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey had four targets. He catches three of them for just 16 yards. This was in Week 17 against the Bengals. That makes three straight games where Travis Kelsey gets fewer than 50 receiving yards. Now, if you compare Travis Kelsey to mere mortals at tight end, he's having a great season. 16 yards away from 1,000 yards, uh, which would be the seventh year in a row. But Travis Kelsey is not a mere mortal, and he should not be considered uh, or we should not be comparing him to other tight ends uh, at the position because Kelsey is a unicorn. He's one of the best to ever do it. My question here is, Terp, we had people taking him at the 101 last year. He was a de facto top five pick in every single FFPC or Fantasy Pros draft, right? Um, Now we have the rise of Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid, um, Luke Musgrave to a certain extent, Trey McBride, Tucker Craft, um, uh, uh, Michael Mayer, all these young guys, right? And this is still incorporating guys like, you know, Mark Andrews. And and I know Hawkinson's dealing with the injury. Darren Waller, guys like that. Yeah, I mean, like like, George Kittle, you know, these second tier guys. So here's the thing. Kelsey is not going to be a top five pick next year. um, But I wonder, like, like how big is the drop off going to be? Because there's going, it seems like he's lost a step. And this could be, you know, he never just gets back to what he was doing before. Now in drafts next year, Kelsey's kind of a conundrum. You want to take him in the first round, but is he still worth that first round pick? I'm not sure. How are you seeing it? I don't see there being any tight ends as of right now being drafted in the first round next year. I don't see, I don't see, I just don't see a world. I mean, you're going to have consensus differ on every player. You see Travis Kelsey, he's the third option on that offense right now. He just looks slower. He's dropping a lot of passes. He's dropped a couple touchdowns. You have the whole Taylor Swift thing hanging around. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rice and Pacheco are the best options on that offense right now. The rest of the offense, they stink. But Kelsey just doesn't like he they're, – and they're not really creating many opportunities for him like they have in the past. You would see Travis Kelsey, no matter what the situation was, getting six, seven, eight-plus targets a game. You know, unless they were in blowout situations, and he's just not getting them right now. And, and if he is, they're three-yard passes, five-yard passes. You know, they're just not in the game flow that you usually, even like goal line stuff, you see like the creativity, shovel passes and things like that. You're just not seeing them. And, mm-hmm. and it definitely has me worried. I mean, I was really off Travis Kelsey this year. Um, but next year, I don't see much. I mean, he's going to get drafted too high in a tight end premium league like the FFPC. Like you guys, you mentioned Trey McBride, Sam Laporta, two guys that I'll take over Travis Kelsey next year. I mean, when it all comes down to it, I just feel like they're in better roles in their offense. And you, you see the, down, the the downfield ability that both of them possess. And does Travis Kelsey still have it anymore? Maybe if they add somebody on the outside that, that helps Rice, maybe it could change. But right now, I don't see that. I don't see it either. And um, Kelsey, to me, on the surface, looks like a good buy next year. And not a, not a good all, buy. It all like depends a good on buy. where. That's my yeah. point is like yeah. if he still ends up going in like, you know, end of the first round, early second yeah, if he's round. If a second round pick, I'm just not there. If he, no if he slips into the third, you know, you can make justifications for it based off your, you know, construction and stuff like, especially early on, because you know, he's not going anywhere. And early right. on, you know, taking chances could just leave you a dead, a dead team real quick, but getting a guy like Travis Kelsey, especially, you know, if things improve on what this year was and, and this year, let's call it what it is. He's had two, three, maybe games. Everything else has been very, very mediocre for his standards for being a first round pick. I mean, it's just, it just hasn't worked out. I had him on one of my main event teams that was in the dance, low owned Travis Kelsey. I'm thinking, Hey, this could work out. 
it didn't work out. He never got there. He just absolutely flamed out, and, and it was definitely a bummer. It was a bummer, and and I think that's the best way to say it. We have uh, 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 the opposite of a bummer coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Teague Orgerman, the 2023 FFPC main event million-dollar winner, is coming up. Before we get to him, Terp, I have to ask you about your Eagles, specifically Jalen Hurts. 18-23 for 167 yards, three touchdowns. He does throw a pick in the Eagles' loss to the Cardinals last week. Eight carries for 25 yards as well. Um Devontae Smith, we already know, is out this week for Week 18. We know that Nick Sirianni and A.J. Brown don't seem to be getting along there right now. Um, I'm kind of curious, as we go into 2024 drafts, how are you looking at the Eagles? Do you still view them as this juggernaut that many people thought that they were coming into the season? Got, team started off with an undefeated record deep into October, and now you're having a case where they've lost, what, four out of their last five games? They're a disaster. Let's it it doesn't look good right now, and yet yeah. we're going to be drafting these guys in a couple of weeks. What are you looking at from the Eagles? Um, who are the buys? Who are the sells? Jalen Hurts is still obviously a buy. I mean, tush-push is, is, is just – unstoppable. I don't think they're going to get rid of it. If they do, it's definitely something to monitor. Um, AJ Brown's still going to be a first round pick. No questions there. Um, the question comes into the Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. They're the guys that have some questions because Devonta Smith hasn't been great lately. You know, he's dropped a lot of passes. Dallas Goddard was, was injured getting back in the offense, but he's not, he's a third, fourth option, maybe on the offense where he's getting drafted in FFPC drafts. It's a tough, it's a tough buy because his ceiling is only so high. The guy that I'm really curious about is what do they do with DeAndre Swift? Yeah. I love DeAndre Swift. He's a guy that I think has potential to be a first-round pick if they use him right, pay him, and give him the touches that he deserves. He's the most explosive op uh, person on that offense, including all the guys on the outside, in my opinion. He has the burst. He can't pass block. That's a big, that's a big issue. But the Eagles don't pass the ball that awful much, and they're not throwing the ball down the field that awful much. So – I just don't understand why he's not getting more carries. I mean, but he's definitely a guy because he's a, he's on a short contract and he's not guaranteed anything next year. And we know what the Eagles do at the running back position. They don't value it. So it, it's definitely a lot of questions, but you definitely get some, if, if you can get DeAndre Swift at like a, you know, mid to five, six, seventh round type of t situation, it'll be worth it because you're taking a good gamble on a really good offense that hopefully will have a new offensive coordinator. Hopefully Hertz will be a hundred percent because he's not playing like it, mm -hmm. but that offense and, Especially that defense is just painful. I, I, I've had sleepless nights not getting a playoff, a home playoff game. That's all I look forward to in January: home playoff right. games, getting down there, getting torqued up, and it's not looking like it's going to happen. And, and Dave's a very sad person. Well, maybe not in the first round, right? It would take. So here's what we'll do: if we'll say it right now, if the Eagles play the Packers in Philly, me and you, we're going to we're, <laughs> we're going, going to, to the financial. Game. Yeah, We're going to the sit there. I'll promise I nobody will beat you up or anything like that. You won't get anything thrown at you. You can wear whatever the heck you want. I'll protect you. But that's probably the only shot we got. Because, You're, I mean, unless right. Dallas just has a Dallas meltdown, which is always possible. But it's just – it's a sad time in Philadelphia right now. I, I will say I'm I'm going to the game um, on uh, on Sunday afternoon for the, uh, the the Packers and the Bears, and it's it's one of my my local radio show here in Wisconsin. One of our sponsors actually has some club seats, so I'll be nice. going to the game, but I'll be inside, so I won't get the full ton frozen tundra yeah. experience. I've done it yeah. once. I did it once with you know Drew Maselli, Dave. Of course, right? of course. Yeah, 
So uh, we all went, uh, Dave Gerzak, Drew Maselli, one of Drew's buddies, and, and we went to a Packers-Niners game at Lambeau Field. And we also got club seats that game because Drew refused to sit outside because it was freezing out. And yeah. it's a different experience because you can't really hear the crowd. Yeah, like, the, the vibes are different. The vibes are different. And the drunks are different. Everything's different. You're just you're stuck inside. It's cool. It's great. Win, lose, or draw. You know, right. obviously your emotions are going to be there, but it's just not the same when you're out there with the animals. I mean, it's yeah. just – no matter well, the fans of whatever team you are, you got to sit outside. My, I don't care how cold it is. Drink right. More. My, right. Exactly. Yeah. My plan is um, to party with the animals after the game if it's a win, which I don't know yeah. if it will be. I'm hopeful. Packers beat the Bears. The Bears are playing time. better. They are playing better. They look like a different team, especially way. I mean, think about when we were all out in Las Vegas watching week one. I mean, the Packers absolutely shellacked the Bears, but the Bears are a different team from what they were back in early September. The last thing I want to get to here, Turk, before we get into. Uh, our FFPC main event million-dollar winner, um, Najee Harris, week 17, 27 carries, 122 yards, two touchdowns in the win over the Seattle Seahawks. It was his best rushing game of the season. The last two games now, over 200 yards and three touchdowns to Harris's name. Is this enough for you to get back on board with him in 2024, or has the are you still swinging the door slamming it shut on Najee Harris for fantasy value next season. I mean, at the right price, but Jalen Warren's not going anywhere. We don't know who's going to be a quarterback. I mean, there's just so many questions with that team right now. Maybe it's Mason Rudolph because if the Steelers would have went Mason Rudolph a couple games before, who knows where they'd be right now. They wouldn't even be fighting for a playoff spot. They'd already be in. They'd be in a Browns type of situation because he's playing great football. I mean, Pickens, Johnson, they're, they're getting their ball. And the running game is just beating beating teams up. So, I mean, am I backing on Najee Harris? No, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I'll probably have some shares early on because, you know, the offense is going to – they, they want to run the football. But not a ton. I, I, I don't see it. I, I'm definitely higher on him uh, this year than, than I was last year. However, I think a lot of other people will be too, and it might just price him out he's of – He's going to get goal. to a point where, like, it, it's, I'm curious to see how these early drafts go how like these guys get priced up or like, you know, mm -hmm. where you're, you have an idea of where you want a guy to go, but he could be two, three rounds off for all, you know, I mean, and you're going to have somebody who just like Najee Harris goes out there week set or week 18, whatever it is, and has another big game. He's going to get priced up there. People will be like, Oh, he's the guy next year. And he's probably going to go to a point where you just don't want to draft him. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, who better to talk about 2024 drafts than the guy who did it better than anybody else in 2023 he's a two-time ffpc main event league champion but quite frankly that kind of pales in comparison to what he achieved this year after a slow start his Hodegs green squad won his main event league and ultimately crushed the championship round and route to first place and a one million dollar payday please welcome in the newest ffpc millionaire mr teague orgerman teague happy new year to you and my goodness, what a happy new year it is for you. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a, a great end to 23 and a weird start to 24. So um, it's yeah, it's been pretty pretty wild last five days, but appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And and I do want to get into this right away because I don't know if you know this. You may or may not know this. I'm in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, a couple of Jordan Love Hail Marys southwest of Green Bay. And I did – so I see your team name. Uh, and I see Hodags and I'm like, oh, Hodag, you know, that, that I mean, like the mythical creature from the northern part of Wisconsin. Right. I, it, it like it. I, I don't think about this because I, I'm in Wisconsin. 
then I'm like, wait a minute, this is a national thing. It, it, does Teague have some sort of connection to, to Wisconsin? And then I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, you are from the, the home of the Hodag, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, right? I am, yeah. I'm a Rhinelander High School graduate, 1999. Wow. Uh, Hodag's Green, I had two teams in the main event. I had Hodag's Green and Hodag's White. Uh, and it was, I think it was my first year doing two teams, so I needed some kind of naming convention for them. And I remembered uh, when I was a kid, they used to have the traveling basketball teams, and they they wouldn't tell you the A team or the B team. It, just all the good kids happened to be on one team, so they they call them Hot Eggs Green and Hot Eggs White. So that's kind of how I wanted to treat those two teams. Like, I'm not going to play favorites. Obviously, now I have a favorite. It's Hot Eggs Green. Uh, but I, I thought it was a good uh, a good a good karmic way to kick off the the football season. Well, listen, Terp wants to, he's going to ask you about what you did for week 17 to take in the action. Before we get into that, I, I have to ask. So this, this happened um, Sunday night. There was no Monday night football. Hey, this is now what, five days later. Has it sunk in for you yet? I mean, what, 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 what has it been like this week? Have, has the press been alerted where you're living right now? Are, are people all over you, friends and family? Has it sunk in that, man, I just won a million bucks playing fantasy football this year. It, it hasn't sunk in. Uh, it still feels really, really surreal. But I have gotten a lot of friends and family reaching out. And that's, I mean, that's honestly been the coolest part about the whole thing is I didn't realize how many people were aware of what I was doing and were pulling for it. And uh, I've just gotten some really nice text messages. And a lot of people, when I when I tell them, uh, I'm not super public about it, but, you know, I've told a couple of people they've fallen to the ground laughing. So that's been kind of fun. Um, it's been a good uh yeah, it's been a good a good week just um, uh, connecting with people who, um, you know, I've been, I've been playing fantasy football for, what, 27 years. So to see people from my home league, right, people that I've played with um, online before, it's been a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool week. Did you, did people know, like, leading up to this, did your friends and family know what, what you were in for? They, they did, I, I think partially because of the holiday season. So I, I was in uh, near Rhinelander, actually, for the, for the holidays. And so when I'm, more animated than usual people start to ask questions about like what's going on so i'm this sounds strange but like i think i'm live to win this like it it, it started i i kind of felt that way even going into week 15 which is weird <clears throat> because i was in like 308th or something mm-hmm. um but but i've been playing really well um in in the lead up and uh people so people were kind of generally aware um and then it into the when it got into the Sunday night game, <clears throat> my wife and I had a um, an event we were supposed to go to with just a couple of friends and family, and so when I got there, I had to tell them like I'm I'm not a crazy person, but you need to understand like <laughs> I'm going to be watching I'm the game. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Like whatever you had planned for dinner, yeah. like I'm not doing that. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm not doing I'm going to be glued uh, to this game. What um. Who was the the catalyst? Because obviously you said you're just outside the top 300 in week yeah. 15. What was the catalyst? Like who really sprung you forward into contention? Uh, Kyron coming back uh, was was big um, toward, toward the end of the season. Uh, Trey McBride off the waiver wire kind of stabilized a lot of things that I was that I was trying to do. And then Jaden Reed was because my my receiver room was. I mean, I started Jefferson Hurts T. So the entire season, I'm just trying Crazy. to put it together. A receiver. I, I didn't have a receiver in the top 25. I'm not sure there's been a main event winner without a receiver in the top 25 right, yeah. uh, for this season. And uh, it, it, so I'm, I'm trying to play. I had some Kirk, you know, uh, that that was great. Kirk went down, but yeah, it was really Reed, um, 
Reed, McBride, Kyron, I think. Um, and then Brees, obviously, uh, two out of the three out of the three finals weeks. All right. So um, you said now this was like a dinner function that you were supposed to go to with your wife. So did you end up just like staying at home or did you go to it and then just isolate? Well, I was at my in-laws um, and uh, and watching the games during the day and they were leaving me alone, which was great. I appreciate that uh, from them. <laughs> But we, we had this thing planned, and so we, we had to leave, actually, for it right before the afternoon games were over. So I'm driving the car half an hour, and I'm just talking to my wife. I'm like, I need down and distance constantly on this Bengals, <laughs> <laughs> this Bengals Chiefs game. I need down and distance on Broncos Chargers. Uh, and we I figured if I was 40 down with Jefferson and Reed, I was I was pretty – I was had a decent shot to win. and ended up being, I think, 31 going to the final. So we got there then, and you know, it was a, a small it's gathering. There are five other people there who just walked in and said, none of you know anything about fantasy football. I'm going to give you a real quick primer in the half an hour we have before the game starts. Um, and this is what we're all doing. And we're just going to, we're just going to watch this and just go crazy. It was, it was great. <laughs> all right. So, so um, John Terry, uh, a guy who, who has had a ton of success playing in the FFPC over the years. Um, he wants to know, and I'm not going to repeat it, but I will say, uh, he wants to know when the Vikings decided to start Jaron Hall, yeah. um, what was sort of your reaction to that, knowing that Nick Mullins had these two really big games throwing the ball the previous two? Great question. So earlier in the week, I, I, I thought Addison was going to be out and I had Jefferson. So I'm thinking, all right, wheels up. I've got 15 targets coming for Jefferson in this game with Mullins. And then they announced Hall and I, I tricked myself into thinking it would be okay. And then watch the first series. I'm like, this is, this is trouble. Like, uh, and I said some pretty unkind things about Jaron Hall as a football player during the first half. And justifiable. So, yeah. <laughs> justifiable he, indeed. He yeah, seems, yeah, exactly. He seems like a nice kid. Uh, but just I, I couldn't believe that they were. I mean, it, it was to me, it was pretty clear for the first series. Oh. I feel like a lot of people felt that way because uh, they're playing for a playoff spot. Um, and then I when they announced at half that they were going to go, I, I needed, I think, a point and a half or so at, at half. When they announced at half they were going to go Mullins, I, I breathe the sigh of relief, not even knowing that Reed was out with, with the chest injury mm -hmm. because, and then, you know, that's the first play, literally the first play that they had, I think of the, of the second half, they hit, they hit Jefferson and put me over the top. But I, um, the, the pass that really the, the wounded duck toward the end of the first half that that was like a, are we really doing this kind of, uh, kind of, kind of moment. But I, fortunately Mullins, Mullins came in and saved the day. So in that game, that that pack. So I I, I want to set the record straight here. So you, you were born in Wisconsin, but you don't live in Wisconsin anymore, right? I don't. No, I'm I'm in the Bay Area uh, now. But but I um I get back, you know, whenever I whenever I can. Okay. So was this like? I mean, it, it, are you a Packers fan, or do you not have fandom uh, as I'm, far as teams go? I'm a fourth generation Packers fan. Uh, my my great grandfather owned a bar in Clintonville, Wisconsin, and my Ooh, grandfather would home chart, of the truckers. Home of the truckers, yeah, would chart the Packers games on the radio on butcher paper for him and run it down to the bar. Uh, awesome. When my when my grandfather returned from the Korean War to work at the Kimberly Clark Paper Mill in Nina, he got season tickets. We've had season tickets in the family for seventy years. Like we we organize holidays and birthdays around Packers games. Like we are real hardcore about the Packers fandom. <laughs> Um, okay. So this had to be, so obviously your family's on board with the Packers. Yep. You were rooting for Jaden Reed. He catches the, the 33 yard yep. touchdown in the first quarter from love. And then like, at, I, I'm just a fan, like watching the game and I'm like, 
you know, maybe they'll squeeze out a Carlson field goal here before before yeah. half after that turnover. And then, boom, a 25-yard pass from Love to Reed, where Reed, quite frankly, did most of the heavy lifting. He gets all the way to the end zone. What was that feeling like when you saw him plunge in with eight seconds to go? That game? was incredible. I mean, that was that was pandemonium in the in the room. And I, <clears throat> it was it was like slow motion. I saw the Red Sea parting because they they had not to get too football nerdy, but like they had trips right right. They cleared out two guys going downfield. They ran it for Reed. He ran maybe the best route I've ever seen. I mean, I'm biased, obviously, now. Uh, <laughs> obviously. Uh, he goes across, and then he just dusts the linebacker. It was uh, it, it was really – it was kind of a like a full circle kind of thing because I, I drafted him thinking um, – so, so back in the draft, I was one of those guys who was pounding the table for JSN for the Packers because mm-hmm. I thought they – like, let's get a cup, right, in this LaFleur offense. And it turned out he wanted a Debo, and that play was just like full Debo, right, just carrying – uh, you know, uh, carrying the defender into the end zone was was fantastic. So that was, um, yeah, that's like that's the one that stands out, obviously from the game. It's like that that uh, close to sealed it, and um, yeah, it was incredible. And then at that point, you were down by like what a point and a half, one and a half, yeah, okay, one point six, I think. Yeah. All right, so then, so then at that point, you kind of are you're feeling pretty good about yeah. it, but you didn't really do any celebration at all until Jefferson caught that pass early in the first half like at what point did you realize okay this is happening it's real um when was that and then what did you do it it wasn't even on the pass that Jefferson caught which put me over the top because I've lost games like any long-term player has I've lost that correction games on Wednesdays right and I think that put him up maybe like less than a point it was the he he made a catch later in the drive uh and after that then it was like all right I'm I'm two or three clear this is this has happened. Um, and then we, you know, we got to celebrate all over again. I, uh, and what did you do for that? I mean, did you have, did you have some champagne on ice already? What, what was, what, what was that scene like? I finally ate some food cause I couldn't really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're the, the, the sweat is so stressful, right? You're yeah, just oh like, God. I, like, I don't want to drink. I just like, you know, uh, b- water please until, <laughs> until it happens. So I, I think my body, my body finally like released enough to, to be able to eat. Did uh, you get lightheaded at all? No, it was just, I did have that, like, that thing that people talk about where you see, like, your whole, like, your whole, like, fantasy career, right? Like, the flashbulb kind of thing, like, just <laughs> all the time, all the, you know, really this being, like, a bucket list thing for, God, for the last, you know, 12, 15 years. Um, and I, I had a, 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 a just a nice moment with everybody. Um, it was really, um, it was just great being around people um, who were were pulling for me. That's awesome. Uh, Teague Orgerman, the uh, champion of the FFPC main event, joining us tonight. Uh, Terp, um, let's ask, uh, go ahead and ask Teague about this Mostert business in week 17, because I think this is pretty compelling stuff, too. So Mostert obviously was one of your best players all season, a great draft pick. When he was declared out, who was the guy that you inserted in for him? I was going to bench him. He wasn't. I I had. had, Regardless, uh, even if he was active, he was still going to be on your bench. Yes. Yeah. I had. My thought process was I was in, I think, seventh heading into the last week. And there was that Detroit-Dallas game, obviously, on Saturday. And I thought I needed Ferguson in case that game shot out. Uh, mm-hmm. So, And I, I felt pretty, you know, McCarthy called, I think, two lengthy down the seam, uh, like first reads for Ferguson. I felt pretty good about it early. He ends up with nine, I think nine or ten. Um, so didn't feel great about it afterwards. But I I was, yeah, Mostert was, I was, I was going to play Kittle. I felt like I needed Kittle. Because all the other teams up there had McCaffrey, so um, yeah, he he wasn't um, even if he was healthy, uh, he was he wasn't going to be in. 
Wow. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's stunning. Well, I mean, we, I mean, it makes sense. Right. But like, just to think about a guy who had gotten you as far as, you know, a 21 touchdown season, and now you're in, in, you know, the, the real money here in week 17, it, it's, it takes a certain amount of chutzpah. You were ready to do it anyway. And obviously the decision was made for you when he was inactive, but most of what he did during the season take was unbelievable. You got him in the ninth round of this draft. You mentioned Jake Ferguson, uh, 12th round pick for you here. Jaden Reed, we've been talking a lot about. He was a 13th round pick. Kyron Williams, uh, a, a player that blew everybody away this year. He was a 14th round pick. So many of these mid to late round picks for you hit this year, and you needed all of them to get all the way up to for a seven-point victory in this championship round. After you had drafted this team, obviously you didn't know the impact that all these players are going to have, but how did you feel when you looked up and down? I think this was an online draft you drafted in early September. How did you feel about it after you you, uh, put it together? I I felt really good about it afterwards. I I built it to be good at the end of the season. So, you know, I, I took JSN, I took Reed for kind of end of the season plays. Brees was, you know, the, the theory on Brees, right, was he going to be eased back in, and then toward the end of the year, he would pop. And it, it all it all sort of worked out. I mean, I didn't, you know, was not planning on Jefferson and T missing as much time as they did, obviously. But the, the you know, even Ferguson was, to me, was more of a late season play as he got more acclimated, um, but being a, being a first-year starter. Uh, so I I built it with that in mind, but then I you know I, I put up 88 points in week one, and then I started one and three. So I was thinking maybe that wasn't a great idea. What I what I've, what I've done here, uh, but I it really it was just everything. I mean, which is what you have to have happen, right? To to run to run that hot, but everything hit like it was, and I it it was intentional building it that way so that I, I feel like that was a construction that gave me just the best chance in the sprint. Were you, I mean, it's a, I mean, a lot of those players I just mentioned here uh, with, with Mostert and Ferguson and Williams and Reed and all those guys, were you particularly proud of any of those picks? In other words, like, you know, we all take chances uh, yeah. when we get to the middle part, latter part of drafts. And sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Um, and the ones that they work out, you know, I don't know if we have a real genius behind it. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, I, I got the right player and he, and he ran pure for me. Were you particularly proud of any of those picks? In other words, did you feel really strongly about any of those players prior to the season starting? I felt really strongly about Kyron, but only because I've been tricked so many times by Cam Akers. Cam Akers. And, had, and I, I was just, I was pretty convinced that McVay hated Akers. And just, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's, he's, he's so good at the, like, he, he's, he's the master of, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to ride Cam. And, and I think had Williams not gotten hurt early last year, I think it would have been Williams last year, too, the entire way. Oh, interesting. Um, and I, I felt like he was, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that was a, an inefficiency. Um, and so, I mean, was sweating him coming here. I was actually kicking myself for not taking him around earlier, but felt felt really strongly about him. Um, before Terp asked you about your tight ends, John Terry wants to know if you're going to be drafting live in Las Vegas in 2024. Have you th- given any thought to that? I think I might have to. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I haven't before, and I'm sure that's going to make me worse. Uh, but, <laughs> but <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this. Teague, there's going to be a ton of people who want to meet you for sure. One thousand uh, percent. Yeah, totally. I, I, I mean, I want to meet all of them. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of all of their. I've been watching them play for, you know, for years, and, mm-hmm. and just really, and have learned just a ton from, uh, from a lot of those guys. So, I, I think, I, I think, I might have to do it um, this year. 
Two-part question. Number one, you said you started off one and three. What yeah. seed were you going in the FFPC playoffs? Uh, I was uh, – so I, I'd won my league. So I rattled off ten wins in a row then after going oh, wow. one and three. So I was, I was the one seed in my league, won the league playoffs. I think I was 308 heading in. and I, But I, I honestly thought I was live because I like after week four or so, I was probably playing at like a top 70, top 80 type uh, type clip. <clears throat> I just felt you know, like I, I can't totally explain. It just like felt really good about it. It felt like it was <clears throat> it was a pretty solid group. Second question. Uh, championship week, you started with three tight ends, McBride, Kittle, Ferguson. How hard was it to get them all in your lineup throughout the season and decide which one to go with? And and and, and to follow up on that, when did you get? Because I know you didn't draft McBride. How no. early did you pick him up off waivers? I think it was it was week seven or eight. I think yeah. it was um, it, it may it was maybe right before the Earth's injury or right right after. Um, or the, I it wasn't actually that hard to get them all in, and I didn't play them all consistently because my receiver room was so bad. Bad. No, so I you know it was it, it's I it ended up kind of working out where. Like when, when Kyron got hurt, okay, great. I'm going three tight ends. Uh, you know, when Jefferson's hurt, I'm going to go, I'm going to go three tight ends. Um, and I, I played that way in the past and I, I like the floor that that second flex tight end gives you if they can give you some volume. So I I'm, I'm comfortable playing that way. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I was trying to jam him in every week. Um, it, it just, it just ended up working out that way that, um, you know, I, like I, I played a little JSN, I played Charbonnet one week. Um, but, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable playing, playing them both in the flex. When you, um, you know, a lot of times when, when we have, whether it's a main event champ or fantasy pros champion, a lot of times in this, in the sprint, the lineup sort of sets itself for them. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a little bit easier. It's less stressful because if you don't have a deep team, if you have a very top heavy team it makes lineup setting easier. Did you find yourself throughout the season really you know, rubbing your brow, trying to figure out what am I going to do this week? Who, who do I have to bench? Or, you know, because of bye weeks and injuries, did did you feel pretty good about the decisions you were making every week? It was a little bit of both. I mean, I, I felt like my hand got forced a little bit with, you know, with T and Jefferson. But in the sprint, um, you know, I, I didn't play perfectly in the sprint, right? I, I had a, a Justin Jefferson, Matt Gay uh, miss in week 16 that cost me 11 points, which, you know, I was feeling pretty intensely in the late in the first half of the green Bay Vikings game and thinking like, did a Matt Gay swap really cost me a million, a million, <laughs> a million dollars here. Um, and I, um, yeah, I, I didn't, and I, I considered for a moment um, during week 17, there was a, a team, uh, a team starts with pulling um, like pulling main event. I think that had a Browning T team. Uh-huh. And I thought, had I swapped to T read off of read to T it would have basically been like a one-to-one Jefferson versus Browning, like head-to-head, right? Which was kind of, it didn't end up working out that way. There, I think a Rice team and one more team passed him, but I, I considered it. Like I, I thought about it um, and, and, you know, fortunately didn't, uh, didn't make the move, but it was during the season. I didn't feel like I had a lot of really tough decisions. I feel like the sprint was much more, all right, everybody's healthy. Like this is, you know, now we have to actually, you know, my, my hands not being forced as much. I actually have to manage this a little more actively. Teague, let's uh, get to a couple of emails here from uh, some of the listeners. Uh, Steve in San Mateo, California. Hey, Teague, are the Vikings looking at a new running back and quarterback next year? That's Steve in San Mateo, California. Certainly it's early, um, but what we saw at quarterback wasn't great um, in week 17. Kirk Cousins is coming off a serious injury. I don't know what's going to happen with his contract. And obviously 
you know, with, with Dalvin Cook being released and the Vikings not doing a ton at the position, I mean, they pretty much trusted Madison. I know they have Chandler. Um, they made the trade for Akers. Uh, your thoughts on what the Vikings' backfield is going to look like in 2024? I think definitely a new quarterback. I mean, and I think they, in hindsight, like giving Hall a preview last week was probably like the audition. Like, where where are you with this? And I, I think after that, I they, they they can't they can't go in with Mullins, Dobbs, Hall, and I don't think they are inclined to wait for Kirk. So I I think it. Uh, I also it feels like they think they're pretty close though. Like it'd be pretty tough for them to press the reset button entirely after, you know, winning, what was it? 13 games last year. They were kind of in the mix, even without Kirk this year. So I, my, my guess is that they go for a veteran somewhere. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe Russell, if he's available, mm-hmm. somebody like that. Um, and I, so I, I think that they're not ready to totally blow it up. Uh, but I, yeah, I would expect new quarterback. Um, yeah. And, and th- this is important because, a lot of people are going to be drafting Jefferson super high. Addison's going to go higher in, in next year's draft than he did this year if the quarterback is there. And the quarterback is important. We'll find out what happens. Is there a world Justin there. Jefferson gets traded? Most I, people say no, but he's, he's, well, he's going to get a lot of money. Is Are they going to pay him if it's – I have seen Doctor Strange and the Multiverse <laughs> of Madness, okay? Yes, there is some universe out there somewhere. Nobody turned. thought Tyreek Hill was going to get moved. Well, but I mean, that's, that. I, I'm saying it's it's highly unlikely, yeah. but yes, it is pro- it, not probable. It is possible that he could get moved. And if he gets moved, then this is a, another you know huge thing. We He's have to diva enough to get himself out of there somehow. It's just a question <laughs> of does he push it? The Hawkinson injury, though, like I, I, I don't think they want to start like one and five again. Right. No. So that, that that may be that may be factors in a little bit if they're thinking all right we gotta we gotta have a way to score points pockets and teague is going to be interesting next year too because yeah. there's a non-zero chance that if the viking if he doesn't come back to like november or december and i understand yeah. there's people talking like oh he'll be he'll be ready for training camp and opening day which i remain highly skeptical on no but if he does not come back till november or december if the vikings have like four wins at that point i mean maybe he doesn't come back at all and that's going to be what's what's going to be so fast. And if he comes back, like, what's he going to be like? I mean, no. he's not going to get right. a full training camp, and he's not going to be, you know, as as efficient as he's been. And and who knows? If you said with that team, you just don't know what they're going to be. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be fascinating to see where he goes uh, in drafts uh, coming up here in in uh, the next couple of weeks. One more email here for you, Teague. It's from uh, Otis in Chicago. How concerned are you about Stefan Diggs' future in Buffalo? Congrats on the huge win. That is Otis in Chicago. Yeah, this this Diggs thing is kind of interesting. Um, if you look at what he has been doing the last few weeks, he's still getting targets. Like, he's still being involved in the offense, but he's not running the same routes that he was earlier in the season. Like, it's he's not running these explosive downfield routes. It's a lot of stuff in the first 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. It, his role has changed. He doesn't seem happy. I know, I think his brother said something um, like probably like a month or two ago after a Monday night game. And he said, Stefan Diggs needs to get out of Buffalo as soon yeah. as he can. Like, what do you think about his future in Buffalo? Because obviously if he leaves, this is going to be very interesting for Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, Dalton Kincaid and the like. Yeah, I think it might, it might depend on how they play this week. I mean, if they, if they if they lose and miss the playoffs, it probably makes it a little bit easier to move on from them. If they're the two seed, Maybe he has a three-game run, you know, or, or four-game run where uh, where everything everything seems great, you know, and he goes for you know for ten and one twenty every playoff game. But it, they they seem to want a divorce uh, at, at this point, and they 
you know, they, they kind of patch it together. I mean, it was even, even preseason, right? Like they, something was weird mm-hmm. going on there the whole time. Um, and it seems like maybe they're not, um, they're not willing to commit to it long-term. I, I, I thought like contractually, I thought at the beginning of this year, it was, it was a little bit difficult for them to move on, but it may be more palatable um, next year in the, in the 24 league year. New offensive coordinator seems like he yeah. likes to run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. You know, definitely doesn't seem like, I mean, they can still get in the targets, but like you said, the, the, the down the field shots just aren't mm-hmm. right there. Aren't there right now. Um, go, go ahead. And, and I know Turf, you can ask uh, Teague about this. I know you kind of touched on it with the Matt Gay thing, but let's, let's do an all encompassing look at this. So you, you won by seven points during the season. Obviously you had some good fab pickups. Um, you talked about Trey McBride. Was there any other pickups that you really look back on and, and you're very thankful for throughout the season? And, and also you talk about some of the moves that you almost made that almost cost you a million. Was there any that you didn't mention? Uh, I think the, the best move I made heading into the sprint was Texans defense. I mean, the team, you know, by the time the sprint rolled around, my team was pretty healthy. Didn't, you know, with the exception of McBride, right? He was, he was the kind of the one, the one major addition. Um, I did a few things during the year that, that win some spot starts, but Texans defense were the big one. I, I was, I was going back and forth on a few different ones. I needed, I wanted someone to pair with Miami because I thought Miami, they had the Jets matchup. Obviously they had some good, they had some good suffering the sprint and, you know, saw, saw Texans on there twice and felt like, if it's Levis, great. Um, it would, and they nearly turned him over five or six times, you know, the first time they played. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not Levis and it's Cole Tannehill, that's okay too. I'll take I'll take my chances um there too. So yeah, Texans defense was a big um was a big one. And then the um the lineup submission, really the only one that you were ever nervous about in the championship round was the Matt Gay one, right? Yeah, I mean I <clears throat> I wasn't happy that I wasn't going to play Mostert. Like mm-hmm. that didn't feel great, uh, but I, I felt like it was the right move. I, I thought, you know, I, the McCaffrey teams that were above me, I felt like I needed something, right? And either it was going to be what happened, which is he plays a little bit, um, tweaks the calf, and they decide to shut it down, or Kittle has a Kittle game, right? Yeah. And he scores, you know, and, and he scores three times, and, and, and it turned out, you know, that, that wasn't the case either. But um, I felt like I had to play Kittle with what was above me. And I needed I needed Ferguson because I thought I thought I was strong enough even with the Dallas Detroit you know like fifty four point total to survive it as long as I had a piece um, and Mostert was just was just the odd man out yeah and like I said before I I thought for a brief moment about Higgins instead of Reed um, and you know fortunately had the discipline not to you know that would have felt better it would have felt better to be like right. okay great I don't have two guys late I've got one. Uh, but you know, fortunately, was was calm enough and clear headed enough not to do that. Getting getting back, I forgot to ask you this too. The night of the after the Packers Viking games ends, um, and it's a, like it's official, official as official can be in that moment. How late did you stay up that night? Did you have problems falling asleep? Yeah. Were you on the phone with a lot of people that night? Yeah, my my DMs were pretty great. Uh, text messages were were great. I got maybe two hours of sleep, and I had to catch a flight in the morning. Uh, so I'm, you know, at the airport on, you know, an hour and a half maybe, uh, of sleep. And then I'm on, you know, I, I went to work on, um, right on Tuesday and I'm sitting there, you know, at six 30 Pacific cause I'm on central time having, having adjusted for a week and looking around be like, I'm not sure why I'm like, why did I do this? Like, why, why why am I not sleeping? Right. Cause I just, I just wasn't thinking, you know, I was just totally, totally clearly. And and uh, it still hasn't sunk in. 
no. you yet. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think it. I don't think it will for a while. Um, right. I've been. <clears throat> and there, there's so many good players. Like I mean, that, that play this, and 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 you're, you know, you're just kind of hoping for a chance. Um, and I, I, I'm not the best player in the world, but I feel like I'm live in these things when mm-hmm. when I play. That's all you and, can ask for, right? Yeah. And, and I've been, I've been, you know, after it for a while. Um, and, and I feel like I've gotten better too. Right. And like, that's, that's, what's been really gratifying is like, you know, getting, I feel like it, I'm, I'm improving. Um, but it's, it's, it, it hasn't sunk in just because I've been chasing it, you know, for, yeah. for a yeah. little while. So it may, mm-hmm. it may take a while before it feels really real. This helps though. Uh, guys. This is, this helps make it, make it more concrete. It, it, it's, it's, it's cathartic. Well, not cathartic is not the right word, but just, just, you know, talking with other people who, um, you know, know what this means, you know, and how big a moment this is. Yeah, obviously it, it's, it's, and it's very cool for you to share uh, with, you know, with us, uh, everything, all the emotions and everything you went through. And certainly I think what, what may make it even more concrete is when you're trying to go back to back in yeah. 2024, um, which you say, oh, that's crazy, but we got Nick Costantino in the happened. chat, right? He's in the chat. He went back to back with the team, with the Go Bills, the Marv Levy franchise with Don Barani and Sean Stutzman. Yeah. Um, they went back to back and, and it, there's a very real possibility. You could, you said, uh, you, you're probably going to come out to Las Vegas and, and yeah. draft live out there. I have to ask you, have you started thinking about 2024 at all? Have you started thinking about drafts based on what you saw at the tail yeah. end of this season? Um, Teague, is there anybody that you're excited about uh, the prospects of drafting in 2024? And conversely, is there a guy that you're going to be totally out on next season? So I, I think Saquon is not going to make a roster of mine next year. I think he's probably not back in New York. Uh, there'll be <clears throat> enough hype that I can see him being a you know a one two turn or mid second round, depending on where he where he lands. That's not for me um, next year. And I I have to say McBride on the you know, on the guy I'm interested in, I, I feel, I'd feel bad uh, not saying, cause he was, he was McBride. He was so good for me. Right. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to, this is obviously, this is eight, eight months before this happens, maybe, or six months before I start drafting me, but I'm going to live probably in that middle tier tight end area. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's so much deeper than it's been mm-hmm. in recent years. And you've got, you got Bowers coming in. You've got maybe another rookie or two, um, You've, it's, I think you've got a case for 12 or 14 of them where you, you, if you took them, if you took tight end 14 in like the eighth or ninth, like you feel, you'd feel okay about it. I think this year where like, I'm not, I'm not sure that's been the case. Like I haven't felt that way in the past, um, mm-hmm. in the past years at least, but I think with the way defenses are playing, like, like more too high, you're seeing longer drives, tight ends are a part of that. Um, I'm going to be really interested in the, in the Ferguson's again, you know, maybe McBride at the top um, in, you know, both of the Packers tight ends, uh, right. I think that could, could be, fun. but you know, you, you know, mayor, right. Like pick, you know, uh, Andrews coming back, um, pick, pick any of them. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be real interested in that range. You know, another guy that could be in that range, maybe a little bit lower. What about Kyle Pitts next year? Team? Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I, I, I have to, I'm Dave shaking his head. I'm going to get tricked <laughs> again. I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, that idiot still I, coaching. I no, sure, that, that's to- totally fair. Yeah, if, if he's not coaching, I'll get back in on you. Yeah, if if he's not coaching, if you could have an exposure above one hundred percent, like that's what I'm going to have. On, on I'm, I'm with you one hundred percent. If he yeah. is not the coach, and you get some sort of guy in there with like a brain cell, I'm in on Kyle Pitts. If Arthur yeah. Smith is back, I'll fade every single one of those guys again. 
I can't watch that Drek. But those three talented guys that, that that offense isn't one of the best in football with that idiot as a coach is even if they get like fields, right? Even if they have a I don't care. Don't matter if Arthur Smith's still a coach, everybody's gonna be this that's ass. that's the thing. That and then that's what I learned this year about it. Like I just I thought, okay, there's no way that all three of these guys can be bad this year with Pitts, London, and Robinson. And I don't think they were bad, but all they were three bad, of them, but they, they, none they, of them paid off for the Exactly. Yeah. What, what if they? What if they send Smith to like some sort of rehab where they teach him how to use his Coaching best rehab. offensive prison rehab. for the rest of his life? No. Nice <laughs> football no, prison. No, turf, I'm in. You're getting a little crazy here. With no, this. I'm not. But the, 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 the not. thing with Arthur I didn't draft Smith, many of those guys, so I'm okay there. But right, fantasy yeah. football prison for a couple of years. Bring him back as like a running backs coach or something. Right, and, and the thing is, like, I don't think Arthur Smith is like stupid. I think he, he sometimes he, you know what he might be, Turp. He might just he's, be too smart for his own good. No, he's stupid. <laughs> you Sometimes see the guys I, he was putting out there over Kyle what? Pitts and, and, and Drake London and B. Right. John Rob- You drafted B. John Robinson the first five picks, was it? Right. And you're out there. Tyler Algier, nice player. No disrespect to him. But he shouldn't be getting carries over B. John Robinson, especially when you're pretty much out of it. Well, this week they're in a playoff hunt. You know, if Tampa Bay loses, which they're probably not going to, I'm sure they'll be giving the ball to Corderell Patterson. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. I think I think sometimes sometimes these coaches think that they know the game much more, not more than than they actually do, but more than they need to. Like, um, you know, the defense could be, well, we think Jonu Smith is a much better fit for this play call than Kyle Pitts. With those three, it's just so simple. But, They're just that talented. Exactly. Just, you've seen the flashes this year. You've seen Drake London games. You've seen Bijan Robinson games. Kyle Pitts, you see, a, you know, a little bit of flashes because they just hate the guy, but. It just doesn't make any sense. It's it's the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. And and I think if Arthur Smith adopts that in 2024, the Falcons could be really really fun to own for fantasy. Um, if he doesn't, yeah, I'm. I, if, and if he, he doesn't, and somebody thing. else is in there. I mean, these guys are going to skyrocket. That, that's cool. the thing. Like if 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 he's still around next year, I'm going to be out on the Falcons. I'll just let somebody totally else out. Deal Don't with care it. who the player is. Um, but if he show if like there's a bounce back this year and the light turns on and. Maybe he realizes he needs to, if he wants to keep his job another year, he's got to make sure he's got to get, you know, Pitts and London and Robinson involved early and often. Then maybe we see a bounce back in 2024 and then we can revisit in 2025. But right now, I think I'm with Turp on this, uh, Teague. I'm out on, on Falcons going forward. Final question. You're a millionaire now. What do you plan on spending your money on? <clears throat> I'm not a big stuff guy, so I don't have like a dream to own a Ferrari or a, you know, I don't sure. know, a, a well-appointed boat or whatever. That's not really, it's not my thing. Um, I do, I think I'm going to try, I'm going to try to use it in, in the first place to just make the things that, you know, my, my wife and my daughter and I already do just a little bit better. Right. Like, you know, our, our trips are going to be, we, we like to travel a little bit more elevated. You know, I'm 6'3". I've taken my last economy class flight <laughs> for, for a while. Like I'm just, just that kind of, that kind of thing where you're like more, I want to do more of the stuff that I'm already doing, just you know, a little bit, a little bit nicer, maybe. So, so upgrading on flights, um, improving like the little thing. Do you have anything concrete in mind that you know, like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going, like, you'll probably invest, right? Invest a good portion of it. So, is there anything like, do you have like a fun purchase uh, that that you could be something small? Could be something a little bit larger than small. Is there anything like that that's on your mind right now that you know you're going to go out and get? I, I wish I had a really good answer. Like I've been getting a lot of good suggestions. People are like, you should be a shark guy and like get a shark tank. And then you can <laughs> fill it with 
And it, I mean, I've had that's like really good suggestions from people, but I, I honestly like, you know, I haven't sat down with my wife really because she's been, you know, she's been back in Minnesota this week and that'll be a, a team decision about anything that we do that's, you know, that's, that's more than just kind of like the normal day-to-day uh, -day stuff in our life. But I, um, yeah, I, I think pro probably something sentimental, you know, that I can, that I can look at and just remember uh, Jalen Reed jersey, just yeah, make the I, 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 all the Jalen, I mean, yeah, all the Jaden Reed jerseys. Maybe I'll get oh, like a, like fifty of them, give them to a school or something, and just I'll put them entirely in Jaden Reed jerseys. I think that's that's a good suggestion too. Uh, yeah, well, listen, that that's that's one of the more original ones we've heard, which is yeah. which would be awesome to, to do. Uh, Teague, this has been so much fun. Uh, I feel like I won a million bucks just talking to you tonight, getting you into your mind and getting, you know, just feeling the emotions that you are feeling, uh, winning something that you worked so hard and have been chasing for so long to do. So congratulations to you on that. I wish you nothing but the best uh, going forward in all your 2024 drafts. We will continue to follow you on the X at Teague Orgerman. It's right there on the screen if anybody wants to follow Teague, the 2023 FFPC main event winner. And yeah, definitely looking forward to meeting you uh, in Las Vegas coming up here in September of 2024, man. Thanks so much for doing the show tonight. Be good and enjoy 2024. Congrats, yeah, man. Guys. Yeah, th thanks for having me. And, and thank you for everything that you do. And you run an, an amazing contest and the content's fantastic. And yeah, just thanks. Thanks to you guys too. Thank you, Teague. We appreciate the kind words, dude. Go enjoy your night, man. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Teague Orgerman, the uh, FFPC main event champion, the million-dollar winner here joining us. Crazy listening to that story, like starting off one and three with that yeah. like, three draft picks, like, you know, and then when, like you said, winning 10 in a row, like even with those top three draft picks, it's crazy. I mean, that just shows you you're never really out of it. I mean, you know, you, you need some things to fall straight mm -hmm. and fall right, but you know, good draft yep. picks in the middle, like the Kyron Williams and Jake Ferguson's of the world can, can Mostert's can outweigh the Higgins and Justin Jefferson debacle up top. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I mean, how many, how many guys can say they drafted Justin Jefferson this year and won a million dollars? I remember listening to, I think it was the goat district. Um, uh, I think it was Dan Williamson and JD mm -hmm. talking about the return of Justin Jefferson, you know, with, from this hamstring injury, and Dan kind of jokingly said, um, he's like, yeah, I don't know how many people drag Justin Jefferson into the championship round this the year. The perfect guy to be live. Like you, you, I, you say like the guys you want to be live with going in the main event. Right. You know, sprint. You know, obviously you have all the chalk guys, but you have a guy like Justin Jefferson. and He's the guy that eventually wins you a million dollars, even as painful as it was in the first half. I mean, that's incredible. It's just an incredible story. Um, and, and, and the thing is, too, like um, – I would, I remember Dan saying that and he was kind of, you know, he understood that there was probably some Jefferson teams, but I remember thinking, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I bet there are a few teams. And you think about the tight ends that Teague had with Kittle and McBride and Ferguson um, and, and, you know, just basically trying to, you know, patch holes in the, in the leaky dam of his wide receiver core. And he got it done. I mean, if you started off, Oh, what was it? Oh, and three or one and three, that one and three, so. one and, you start off one and three and you have an 88 point uh, week. You're like, what, am, what am I even doing? What am I doing? And, and somehow that team ends up being the million dollar winner. I mean, just. It's crazy. Cause everybody always, they're so worried about the top four or five picks, but he didn't win it in the top four or five picks. I mean, Jalen right. Hurts obviously was very good, but. The Mosterts, the Kyron Williams, the Jake Fergusons, they're the guys that kept him afloat until, you know, Brees Hall and Jaden Reed and Trey McBride and, you know, Kittle had a couple games down the stretch. 
I mean, Houston defense. I mean, it, it you got to piece together every position. I mean, everybody thinks just like, all right, well, Justin Jefferson's out for the year. I'm done. Right. This guy just proved that that's not the truth. Yeah, exactly. I, we have seen so I mean, I, I always bring this up all the time, too. Uh, everybody says, oh, you need an elite tight end if you want to win the, the FFPC main event. And I always go back to Don Metter, whatever year that was, 2012 mm-hmm. or 2013, where his starting tight end was Dante Rosario for the championship round. He yeah. did not need and it. Like no. there are so many different ways to win this, especially when it gets crazy. A non-Christian McCaffrey team wins. I mean, yep. it's with all the Christian McCaffrey. I mean, who was just a monster this year. I mean, to, to fade him. And, and like you said, like not to potentially not use Mostert if he didn't get rolled out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. If you really, nobody would, nobody would do that. And to do that just shows how an impressive win and impressive his overall year he had. Teague Orgerman, your 2023 FFPC main event champion, uh, the million dollar winner. Terp, I just realized I just saw what time it was, and I I want to I, I we won't get the chance to get to all the emails tonight. There's one email that I wanted to get to, and my system just crashed that I'm using. So I'm gonna go back to uh the YouTube chat because John Terry was actually asking about this guy uh earlier in the broadcast, and I feel like this is one that we should answer, and we'll just go out on top. Uh, with that, if I can find it here. Yep, here it is. Uh, John Terry, where do you guys stand on Kyron Williams in 2024? And Terp, I think this is interesting because um, Kyron Williams was on nobody's radar as like even like a top 20 running back this season. Nobody, nobody even close. And um, I drafted him in a lot of leagues super late just because I read a blurb that he was catching passes a lot of passes in preseason from a Rams beat writer. I'm like, okay, I'm on board with that. I had no idea it was going to turn into this. I hadn't, he's, he's not a, um, he's not a super athletic, super fast, nope. super strong guy. He was not good at the combine. Um, there's so many red flags with this guy. And yet he ended up being the guy uh, as, as far as running backs go this season. Now the Rams have an opportunity to maybe, sink some draft capital into a running back of the future or a guy who can compete with Kyron Williams. But with all the problems they have on defense and all the holes there and, the and you know, trying to uh, replace guys that are either already gone or are going to be gone, I wonder if that's more of a priority for them. And we draft Kyron Williams as a guy who's going to be a top five or a top 10 running back next season. How are you plan as of right now, how are you planning on handling Kyron Williams in your drafts? As of right now, I'm in on him. It's just like you said, these early drifts, you don't know. Like I could see him going as a one-two turn guy. Mm-hmm. As a one-two turn guy with these receivers and, and the position being what it is, especially the running backs of just unknown, I'm probably out there. But like if he's, you know, slipping in the, in the, in the mid-second round, you know, two, three turn possibly, I'm in. I, I don't see him getting in the top 10. I mean, that's just to me. I saw a comparison on, on X or Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Right. But I saw it this week of, James Robinson after he had his big year, that it could be just like a fall off the cliff type of situation. I don't see that because Sean McVay has proven um, this year that if Kyron Williams is healthy, Kyron Williams is getting the ball. There's no other option. So McVay's back, Stafford's back, Cup, Puka, who they caught lightning in the bottle. I don't see them invest in high capital in the running back position. It could be a veteran type of situation, but we looked at this year. How many veterans, the Dalvin Cooks of the world, the guys that they that got at it on the streets, well, they didn't really do much. I mean, right. none of them really set the world on fire. So, you know, we look at that and, and I'm in on them, um, cautiously in, but definitely still in. I, I mean, the big thing is, is if we get by day two 
of the NFL draft and the Rams still don't have a threat on their roster. Kyron Williams to me at that point is a slam. You also look like they drafted a kid this year in Evans who a lot of people thought was going to be Cam Akers backup who when Cam Akers, you know, got flamed out early, they thought, you know, Evans was going to be the guy that was going to take over. That didn't work out. He never really saw the field all season. Um, So it's, it's definitely something to monitor year two in the system. Does he improve a little bit to get more touches, you know, with Kyron Williams, but Right now, you have to buy it because, like we, we talked about, their running back position, the uncertainty surrounding it. You're going to see every human being in the fantasy football world next year after it's been proven go zero RB. I mean, you saw the Rashad Whites this year. You know, guys like that that just came out, David Montgomery, you know, that just came out and just led fantasy teams to tons of money. You're, you're going to see him do it all over again because most of the guys that we drafted up top, like Eckler Pollard, you know, Derrick Henry, to name a few, we're, we're total flame outs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, um, these things are fickle, right? Um, it's, yeah. it's a copycat thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that will stick to their druthers and stick to their guns. And, and you it'll know, be interesting to see where the quarterback position falls next. That's year. another one that I'll be watching too. I think quarterbacks and tight ends are going to be fascinating. And I think some like the- Teague said, the tight end position is going to be, I think it's, it's, it's more deep. spread out. Yeah. It, it's yeah. More spread out to where you're going to see 10, 12, 13 guys get drafted. You know, obviously, they're going to be the top-heavy guys, but the quarterback position, I mean, you saw this year, you drafted Patrick Mahomes, you're drawing dead. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, you know, Jalen Hurts, you were live, but you had to be really good below him. And then you saw the guys like C.J. Stroud and, you know, Anthony Richardson before he got hurt, you know, guys like that that, that were late-round draft picks and Tua. And we can keep going on the list of guys who, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, that was that set the world on fire and, and – the position I think is going to take a big drop. I think you're going to see quarterbacks getting drafted to where they should be and should have been the last couple of years. Like, I don't think you're going to see many top three, maybe Josh Allen, but outside of top, definitely not going to see any top two picks in, in, in quarterback position. A guy on the fourth round, a, a guy who was always a top two pick in my book, as far as FFPC draft analysis is Dave Turpoli. And you are always live when you are following him on the X at Dave Turp. Dave, thanks so much for hanging out with me tonight in Farrellstead. Great job. I look forward to doing this again with you soon. Have a great evening. And uh, listen, man, I'll, I'll, I'm start looking at, at uh, flights out to, to Philly if the Packers end up uh, going to You know, to, to you know the positive things I've said about Jordan Love this year. Yes. I won't be saying any positive things if you're sitting next to me. It's true. That, I'll protect I, you from the lunatics, but that's right. all I can do. I, I, listen, protecting me from the lunatics is all I'd ask for. Like that, we'll have that, a lot that, of beer. Don't worry. Above and beyond. I'm down for that. For sure. I'll look forward to it, Dave. Be good. Enjoy the games this weekend, dude. See you, bud. That's Dave Turpoli, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, at Dave Turp on the X, uh, uh, my co-host with the most tonight, filling in for Farrell Elliott. I want to thank Teague Orgerman. I want to thank Dave Turpoli, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for watching, listening, streaming, downloading. Uh, the HSFF Hour will be back next Friday at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Um, we had so much fun with $1 million winner. Let's do another one. So Fantasy Pros Championship Million Dollar Winner, Brendan Gobert will be our guest next Friday at 10 o'clock when Farrell returns. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in case you missed Tuesday's Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, you can listen to it, rotoviz.com slash podcast. You can watch it back. 
on the FFPC socials. We had the 17th place finisher in the FFPC main event, Mr. Mike Zuka on that program. He's known as Mongooses. That's his team name everywhere. A lot of people were looking forward to that. We had a lot of people show up for that. Uh, you don't hear a whole lot from Mike Zuka on podcasts, so it was cool to have him on and pick his brain a little bit. Our show will be back at 10 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday with our annual 2020, excuse me, our annual world famous FFPC playoff challenge preview. And to do that, uh, we're going to have on Judd Rosengart and Phil Orban, two of the four guys that took down the $500,000 last year in the World Famous Playoff Challenge. We'll know what the teams are then. We might even put together a lineup live on air. You never know what's going to happen there. Uh, so make sure you're tuning in for that. That's 10 o'clock on the FFPC socials on Tuesday night. In case you missed last night's uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, you can rewatch it there or any of the FFPC socials. Myself and Fantasy Pro's Derek Brown chopped it up for two hours, took a look back on 2023, and we got into a lot of 2024 draft stuff as well. So check that out in case you missed it. And then this coming Thursday, you can watch it again live 7 to 9 p.m. with yours truly and Draft Sharks Alex Korf uh, with a look ahead to 2024 and the FFPC playoff challenge. I can almost guarantee you we'll be building a playoff challenge lineup in one of the segments of the show on Thursday night at seven o'clock. Uh, I think that is, yeah, that's it. So go to myffpc.com, play in the weekly challenge, play in the FFPC playoff challenges, whether you want to get in at the $200 level where you can win $500,000 or the $35 level where you can win $100,000. It's all there at myffpc.com. Remember, this is the last week of the weekly challenge as well. So sign up for that. You can win up to 2,500 bucks this weekend. And by the way, week 18 weekly challenge, that's going to be a lot of fun with all the craziness going on right now. If you want to play and have some fun this weekend, this would be a perfect way to supplement your football watching. Remember to like, subscribe, comment on this video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, get notified by clicking the notification bell. So you will get notified every time we go live and you can hop on and watch the broadcast. Thanks so much for watching everybody. Happy new year to everybody as well. Get in on those playoff challenges and the weekly challenge. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Uh, one other thing I forgot to mention, and nobody's going to believe me now because he's not on anymore, but Teague Orgerman, a huge fan and a viewer slash listener of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour as well. So what that means is we have a guy who just won a million bucks attributing part of that championship to being a fan of this show. So if you watch tonight, listen tonight, who knows, maybe you'll be the million dollar winner in 2024. There's a non-zero chance of anything, so make sure uh, that that you are doing everything you can to win that million bucks uh, this coming year. We have a lot of stuff going on at the FFPC. More stuff will be rolled out shortly for now. Play those playoff challenges and weekly challenges. And I will talk to you Tuesday night on the Road of His High Stakes Loader.